Art is too important not to share. Welcome to the Allie and Callie Artcast. Hi, I'm Allie. And I'm Callie. And we're with the Coeur d'Alene Arts and Culture Alliance. Welcome, everybody. We're back. We're back again. Yes. How, how are you? I'm good. I went to see Wicked. You did? Yeah, it was my first time. What and did you was, think? I loved it. Isn't it? It's quite yeah. a spectacle. It was pretty powerful. And I have never read those books. So I, I didn't. I really mm-hmm. didn't know what to... I didn't know what the story was about, yeah. really. Um, mm-hmm. But it was uh, it was a little different than what I had envisioned. I thought it was all, you know, a long time before Dorothy came along. But it actually was kind of going on while Dorothy was there. Mm-hmm. And just the backstory. And it's it was, fun. It was uh, it was really good, but I think what what I loved the most was the power in the in the singing. Yeah, the some of those songs were yes. delivered in such a beautiful way. Stephen Schwartz, he's he's a great writer. Stephen Schwartz, am I saying the right one? Now I'm now I question myself. Hmm, mm, I don't I feel know. like that's right. But whoever it was, they did a good really job. good. Yeah. <laughs> And what's, yeah, double check and, me. And what's going on with you? Uh, let's see. I just got back from Portland where I spent some time with my husband doing a little, um, we had a work thing where, uh, conference, you know, selling his product basically, right. which is a, himself. Right. So I basically sold my husband. Oh. He, nobody took him, but <laughs> just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I pa, 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 sold pa. the product. What did I say? Oh, that's the, oh yeah. Steven Schwartz. Oh, I was you right. got it right. He wrote the music. Okay. And then the book was written by other people. But anyway, um, he, um, his family's there. So I got to see some of his family and then um, saw some old friends that um, I used to know from Coeur d'Alene Summer Theater oh. that have moved to LA and been in Vancouver, Washington. And then they sold their house in LA and they bought a beautiful house in Tualatin. And uh, he's actually a composer and he's won Grammys and everything. And Oh really? Who is that? His name is Sam. I'm not going to say the last name. Okay. Anyway, he, um, I was just wondering if I knew him. Sam and Joy. Anyway, they're wonderful. They have three kids now. And it was so funny because they used to live in our basement and we drove down and looked you know and we're driving in this neighborhood i'd never been in and i was like wow these are nice houses wow wow they're doing well they're doing really well (laughs) (laughs) their house is way bigger than ours oh wow well that's cool (laughs) yeah and they were just they're so sweet and they have three lovely kids and he's still writing tons of music and a lot um he has he's done for you know um Jason Derulo and um, what's his name? Adam Levine and he, oh yeah, he does a lot of uh, and David Guetta. What? Cool. What? Get him on the podcast. You're like, what are you saying to me, <laughs> Kristen? Kristen is sending us <laughs> maybe subliminal messages. He's such here. a great composer, though. He's I'll a. Tell him why I'm sending you subliminal. Because yeah. she lost her um, her, her whiteboard. whiteboard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I, maybe I'll see. Anyway, it was great seeing them, and it was a nice little trip. But um, Fun. it was uh, it was sunny too. It was beautiful in Portland. Mm. It made me go, oh! But the traffic, ooh, yeah. makes me go, oh! It's good to be home in Coeur d'Alene. Yeah, right. <laughs> where there's hardly any traffic. I know. 
There really isn't, even though the locals complain about it. Yeah, we used to have zero traffic. Now we have traffic. I know, but I I, um, (laughs) once posted as I'm sitting in a traffic jam in Coeur d'Alene. You had to wait like five minutes. I had to wait an extra five minutes to get home. (laughs) I know. We're such big complainers. We're like, oh my God, it took me five more minutes. (laughs) I grew up in Washington, D.C., so. Yeah, you know traffic. traffic, I've lived in Seattle. I learned how to drive in that Oh my God. Denver, Portland. Anyway, enough of that. Enough of that. Los Angeles. Angeles. Never lived there, but anyway. well, our guest today, yes. we're pretty excited to have Very David Livingston, an accomplished actor, a director, and an Emmy-nominated producer who does workshops with up in the Jacqueline Center at the Jacqueline Center. Yeah. Yes, um, he's an acting with, coach. With, yeah, he's an acting coach. Yeah. Uh, welcome. Yeah, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. What an honor. Yeah. Well, we're happy to have you. I mean, myself, I wish I could take, I'm going to take your class because everyone needs to be have mm-hmm. a brush up for sure. Oh, well, that would be fantastic. I would love yeah. it. Um, so let's see. What is your training? Tell us a little bit. Where are you from originally? Mm-hmm. Originally, originally would be South Dakota. Oh, oh Yeah. Really? Okay. The very southeastern tip. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Little town called Elk Point. Elk Point. Oh. I feel like I know that. I wonder why I know that. I don't know. I don't know. Sounds familiar anyway. So Elk Point. And yes. then where did you, what made you decide to go into acting? When I was very young, when I was 12, I went to New York, talked my parents into it, had a relative there. Mm-hmm. So they let me go. Mm-hmm. To study acting. Oh, wow. At 12? Oh. Uh, at 12. Wow. And I saw it in the back of a magazine, this acting school. Oh, wow. So I went to New York. And it turned out that the relative that I was staying with um, had a substance abuse problem. Oh, no. And um, I didn't want to tell my parents because they'd make me go home. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So everything's instead, fine. <laughs> every everything's fine, mom, nightmare. dad. It's great. Oh, no. Instead, I stayed away from him mm-hmm. when he was drinking, mm-hmm. and he would send me out to get his alcohol. And I'm twelve. Oh in New York. my gosh! So I, I befriended these um, ladies of the evening. <laughs> And they bought it for me. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. And I brought it back to him, which made him mean. So I immediately left the house. (laughs) Right. This isn't a good idea. Oh, my God. And I'm from South Dakota. I'm I'm on the Lower East Side. And it's, you know, um, it's survival. Right. Mm -hmm. And one day, an, an older gentleman stopped and talked to me. I told him what I was doing and he said, oh, you want to learn to act? (laughs) Right over there, a couple blocks down, building on the left. And so I went over there Mm -hmm. and um, I was sitting on on a storefront step and it was raining and I was sitting there for about, I don't know, a couple of hours and an old guy came up to me, asked me, you know, where's my adult? (laughs) Right. And I said, well, he's uh, shopping or something. I don't remember what I told him. He's very busy. And it happened to be Sandy Meisner. Oh, wow. And Sandy Meisner is one of the uh, acting icons of the age. Wow. A lot of people studied with Sandy. Uh Uh-huh. 
Anthony Hopkins, John Voight. Really? That's crazy. Uh, um, so he said, well, why don't you come on in? And I went and sat down on one of his workshops. I'm 12 years old from South Dakota, and I'm watching <laughs> can't even what I'm it. seeing. I can't believe what I'm seeing. I'm mm-hmm. watching this game being played that was, it was everything that I wanted to emulate. And so I was sitting in, and he said, you want to come back tomorrow? I said, yeah. And he goes, well, the bathrooms need cleaned, and the lobby needs vacuumed. You okay with that? And I said, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I had an in, mm-hmm. and I just kept showing up at these classes. And then one day, during the class, he called my name, and wow. my heart was like, <gasps> "Here oh, we I go! Bet. Here yeah. we go! Oh, God. Bring it!" <laughs> that trip from my seat to that stage was like the most terrifying trip I've ever made. I'm surprised my legs moved. Right? <laughs> um, and I went up there, and there was this actress up there. And everyone could see that I was terrified. Mm -hmm. And she just um, took care of me, which Mm -hmm. in terms of theatrical power was a very wise thing for her to do. You Mm -hmm. don't get a frightened little kid on stage and do anything but accommodate their fear. Right. And so that's what happened. It turned out to be a wonderful experience. And I was so impacted by it that I, in some way fell in love with this person Mm -hmm. and have been searching for her ever since. Not her, but just her. What she does, who she is on stage. Right. Mm. Something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Her her energy. Right. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. And that's how it all began. And then I returned summers after. And then I moved from Sandy Meiser to Stella Adler, another iconic instructor who taught Marlon Brando how to act. Oh my goodness. Wow. And Stella was, compared to Sandy, like taking off a tight pair of shoes. She was way freer than he uh-huh. was. And, and I really appreciated that. And I went from her to Jack Walzer, who was uh, Dustin Hoffman's acting instructor. Oh, wow. Yes. And all of these um, people were uh, incredible, just incredible mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, after that, uh, Sidney Pollack, who, Sidney Pollack, if you don't know, directed 12 different actors to Oscar-winning performances. That's mm-hmm. amazing, yeah. That is unbelievable. That is unbelievable. And so he came from the Neighborhood Playhouse and Sandy Meisner, and he was a devotee of Meisner's. So mm-hmm. Pollack and I also went from being uh, actors to... Uh, coaching actors on television, mm-hmm. and and Sydney, uh, in fact, brought me in to coach on my first film, The Firm, which, mm-hmm. that he was uh, directing. Oh wow! So and I then, love that movie. Oh, it's my husband. He's probably seen it fifty thousand. I know. I've probably seen it. <laughs> I see. <laughs> he well, can quote a it. great director. It's a great film. His movies have done very well, and mm-hmm. we eventually. Uh, started this Beverly Hills workshop uh, mm-hmm. together. He was a big help. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's exciting. So w- moving from New York to Hollywood then, by the time I got to Hollywood, 
um, the people that I was working with at a very early age in New York were already established in the industry. So it wasn't like I was uh, an outsider. Mm-hmm. I was, it wasn't long before I got a call um, asking me if I wanted to participate in starting a West Coast version of what we were doing in New York. Oh, And I also had the advantage of, you know, they're making movies Mm -hmm. while I was uh, back east having an off-Broadway career in Mm -hmm. theater. Mm -hmm. And so there was a a kind of a mutual interest in uh, sharing. Right. Wow. Yeah. So you went from a theater kind of a theater background to the film and TV. Yes, that's a very common. uh, Oh, is it? Yes, Hollywood um, uh, harvests uh, actors from New York theater. Oh. um, Because um, when you cut your teeth in front of a live audience, um, you know, and and you're nodding, and I know you know, Kelly. you know what works and what doesn't because Mm -hmm. it's the audience that lets you know whether you're on it or just off. Right. Mm -hmm. And so then when you're on a movie set where you're maybe in a room with uh, three, four, five people, um, they're relying on your sense of what works and what doesn't Mm-hmm. That you harvested in front, uh, or cultivated in front of a live audience, right? And and it makes perfect sense. Oh yeah, that does make sense. And without having, I, I probably why I have a hard time doing. I've never done a film. I've done some commercial work where I felt so uncomfortable <laughs> with the camera, just oh right, so close that I had a hard time. Not knowing it was there, yeah. and uh, granted, I don't have a lot of experience, and I felt very uncomfortable. I mean, having like forty years, thirty at that time, like twenty years in live theater, going, I don't get this. I don't know how people do it. How do they not see that camera? How do they not see the forty people and the crew? I was blown away, and I thought, this is this is a skill I don't have yet and maybe never will get. And it's a talent that is, uh, it's not easy. And I, I admire people that make it look so easy mm-hmm. and um, that that you can completely immerse yourself in the character, in the role, and, and forget completely about all those other people that are, right. you know. I mean, I there's something about, for me, when I'm on stage, I, when I'm on stage, I don't even see the audience. It's black. Right. So I can just immerse and not see anything else. Right. And I believe that I'm where I'm supposed to be in the mm-hmm. scene, in the show, mm-hmm. in, in, in my environment. So being, that's where I'm like, how do they do that? That's the training that I right. don't have. And that's a training that I think it's a, it's definitely a technical skill that I think you either have it or you don't, or you can learn how to do it. Right. And maybe that's a part of your acting coach, coaching. I don't know. Well, I, you're more in the acting 
probably into the coaching. I don't know how you. How I do you love, forget that? I love <laughs> your description that you um, oh, gave yeah. uh, for what you, how the technique that you bring that's something like um, you are real in an imaginary setting. Yes, the ability to live truthfully Truth. under imaginary that's circumstances. I love that. I think that, I mean, that really says exactly mm-hmm. what what you're doing yes yeah and it's because of uh the advent of cinema that uh you know the audience was given previously unimagined access to the work of the actor Mm -hmm. and the camera is like a neurotic eye that sees everything Mm -hmm. and so indicating emotion was out the window Uh, Mm -hmm. The truth has a certain depth to it. And if you're not being honest, it it shows. shows. Yeah. Wow. It's like when you see, like, for me, Anthony Hopkins has one of those, his eyes, I see all, it's all the way, it goes all the way back. It's like, you can see every moment. I'm like, he's somebody else right now. Right. He's not, it's like he's not even acting. I love that. Yeah. Um. So can you talk a little bit about the training that you do with these actors and or potential What's your actors style? and yeah. Sure. Yeah. I, I can talk about it. <laughs> this living truthfully part has turned acting into a deeply uh, psychological process. Because just from what you just said, mm-hmm. Anthony Hopkins isn't acting. Yeah. He's telling the truth. Mm -hmm. When Meryl Streep falls in love, she really is falling in love. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they're not acting. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so when you come to performance uh, with that as your standard, um, it introduces... uh, a training process that requires that you take care of some matters that plague every human being who walks around out in society. Number one, the hiding that we do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, And out there in society, we have a social face, a social facade. And the trouble is that we spend so much of our day-to-day life wearing this mask that we become disconnected from our real emotions, how we really feel Mm -hmm. by not allowing them to surface as a course of habit. And then we lose sight of them altogether. And so we begin to become confused. We start to think that this social persona that we've constructed is who we really are. Mm -hmm. And the emotions that we've repressed are um, not to be trusted. And in, in fact, out there, they're, they're not. It's, they're on a growing list of emotions that are taboo, like 
feeling hurt or mm -hmm. even feeling loving. Um, and so um, the workshop, first and foremost, is a safe place for the performance artist to come to, to relearn to be themselves uh, because it's a place that they don't have to worry that someone isn't going to let them or that mm -hmm. there's going to be some kind of real-life repercussion. And the fact that it's a theatrical event, they can just leave it all behind at the end of the day's work and they don't have to concern themselves, just like an artist who's leaving a piece of work behind with um, adding additional commentary or concerning themselves with uh, what someone might make of what they did in comparison to who they are in real life. Mm -hmm. They can just leave it all behind because it was an exploration, an artistic exploration. And this allows a person to feel safe. Mm -hmm. And by feeling safe, they give themselves permission. And that permission is key. Permission to go outside their comfort zones. Mm -hmm. Permission to explore one thing that is absolutely true. But when you say it to somebody who's not done this exploring, it sounds somewhat absurd. Mm -hmm. And that is that your true identity is fluid and inexhaustible, and it's made known to you in surprising events on a momentary basis. <laughs> and once you lend yourself to that reality, once you come to this free safe environment mm -hmm. by checking your baggage at the door. And that means your, uh, your identity, all self-imposed labels. Mm -hmm. I'm a mother. I'm usually a nice person. Right. I don't like this and I don't like that and I don't like this. Well, all of that self-image baggage is to be checked at the door mm -hmm. and your true self shows up in the absence of that baggage. And it's right. a surprise to you. And this is why the great actors are so alluring. Um, mm -hmm. Because they don't know what's going to happen next. Mm -hmm. They really don't. And so you don't know what's going to happen next. And right. you both find out together. Wow. Yeah. I love it when they it just happens. Yeah. I think... That's when it's it feels the most real, mm -hmm. and that um, I don't know. I I think there are times that I've done shows, and especially when they're not musicals, when they're more drama or comedies, where um, uh, I can think of Steel Magnolias when I played Malin, mm -hmm. and I had the big speech at the end. You know, she's daughter, and she's totally. Yeah, it takes you to a, almost a dark place that you feel like, oh my God, am I going to come out of this? Because mm -hmm. then you, you're, you're like, this is, 
And then what what's great about that particular play is there's a lot of humor after and there's you can come out of it a little bit, but mm-hmm. it stays with you. And you're like, wow. wow, to release that. This is one of the best things about acting for me is I do release things that I don't release in real life, which mm-hmm. is um, very cathartic for me because I tend to keep right keep things to myself you know I don't I don't want to bother people with my stuff but um I think uh when you say you you have like well it says the Hollywood cure for performance meltdown so what what is the cure Hi, I'm Marilee Wallace, a board member of the Coeur d'Alene Arts and Culture Alliance and the owner of NIA, the North Idaho Alliance. We specialize in connecting women of all ages, experience, and backgrounds in our community. One of the ways to do this is at our annual Onward and Upward Women's Conference, and it's coming up on May 25th. Our speakers are amazing, so you don't want to miss this. Tickets are on sale at Eventbrite, and they're just $79 for the entire day. On your web browser, type in Onward and Upward Women's Conference 22. And if you still can't find us, talk to Allie and Callie. They can tell you how to find us. We'll look forward to seeing you on May 25th at the Onward and Upward Women's Conference. And oh, men are welcome, so feel free to bring them. So what is a meltdown? (laughs) Well, um... A performance meltdown. I know what a meltdown (laughs) is. A performance meltdown. (laughs) There are, I have a couple of answers. (laughs) Uh, Number one, the, I understand why that was the headline of the article. I just wondered. (laughs) Oh. Because I, uh, I would be hired, uh, in a sense, to put out fires. Mm -hmm. And, um, but the, the difficulty that I end up addressing um, can have many different faces. Right. So in that regard, a meltdown is whatever I find when I get there. (laughs) Ah. (laughs) But another answer is that um, just like writers can have writer's block, Mm-hmm. performers can have blocks too. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so when when that occurs, mm-hmm. that is um, something that, well, it must be dealt with. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not called in unless this happens during principal photography. Right. Mm-hmm. And when a lead actor or actress has a call time, uh, there's only one way to show up at that call time, and that is complete pre- prepared and ready to right. stand and deliver. Sure. Every other way is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. And so, and uh, production houses cannot, uh, well, they can ill afford to delay a film for these things to get ironed out because... The cost is uh, uh, prohibitive. Right. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. So, um, in that regard, um, the Beverly Hills Workshop was a wonderful tool, a wonderful thing to have because Mm -hmm. I could bring them into this environment. And it was an environment 
specifically for um, major players. It was a private setting. Mm -hmm. It had its own security and accommodations. Mm -hmm. And just like professional athletes, they prefer to work out with other major players. Mm -hmm. And so those major players become their working partners in the workshop, as well as their audience. And there's nothing more invigorating than being in front of an audience of your peers, Mm -hmm. uh, especially at that level. So when I'm bringing in an actor to that environment to become unblocked, Mm -hmm. it's an ideal situation. Right. Can you give us an example of, you know, like a, a, a situation that was difficult to deal with for the, I'm assuming the director and, and they called you in. Oh my. Yes. (laughs) I'm going to try to describe this without naming names, naming names. (laughs) No Uh, names were involved. (laughs) uh, I was brought into a film Mm -hmm. where this very popular comedian from television was doing his first film. And um, so I was brought in sort of reluctantly because I had finished up on the firm and uh, I'm talking to my manager about, you know, getting me work as an actor. And he said, well, he has this job and I'm saying well you know Bob if I keep doing these jobs I'm not going to be available to do the jobs that I'm here to do right (laughs) and so we had that sort of tug of war Mm -hmm. at the time and then you told me how much I would be paid you're like ooh (laughs) okay (laughs) but I really had a difficult time accepting this role because I I love acting Mm mm-hmm and I've always um, uh, pitied my acting instructors that they didn't get to have the kind of fun we were having. <laughs> so nevertheless, I showed up. I took this job. I invited this um, actor to, my, to meet me at my workshop, and, and he didn't show. <gasps> and so I Uh-oh. invited him three more times. <laughs> oh. And I ended up sitting in that theater by myself. And so um, what I did was I met him on the set and I called him off to the side and I said, "Um, look, I don't care if we ever talk about acting. Mm -hmm. I just want to get paid. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. So... Maybe we could just pretend we're talking about acting. Right. And he was cool with that. Oh, wow. So I'm cool Uh, with that. Oh, my. But I could see what was going on, and I still had to answer to the people who hired me. Like, what's happening? And so I made that meeting, and I said to the director... Um, let my actor go off script and he's there with both of the 
producers, very well-known producers. Mm -hmm. And they're shaking their heads, and he says to me, I can't do that. And I said, look, you've got this young, talented, improvisational comedian. And he's working opposite one of the iconic actors still alive today, who's done this so many times he's walking in his sleep. (laughs) If you let this talented, improvising comedian go off script and force this iconic legend to go off script. You're going to get the best performance this legend has ever put before a camera. And I can see I'm getting their attention. Mm -hmm. And they listened and they left the room and they came back and he said, no, we can't do that. And I said, let my actor go off script for one day. Yeah, (laughs) there you go. (laughs) And if it doesn't work out, I will give you my salary. Mm -hmm. Wow. And they took the deal. Yeah. (laughs) And they stayed off book for the rest of the movie. Wow. Went on to be one of the highest grossing films of the year. Oh my God, that's amazing. So that's what it's like. You just field whatever's there. Yeah. Yeah, you're trying to figure it out. Well, that's awesome. (laughs) That's great. Yeah, that's amazing. Wow. So the media got involved in that, and they started calling me this actor's acting coach. Nothing could be further from the truth Mm -hmm. in life. So, you know, I, I, I learned at an early time about anonymity. Mm in this position Mm -hmm. because I'm working with high profile performers. They are every bit of what they put up on on that uh, uh, screen. Right. And, um, And they should have every bit of the credit for it. Mm hmm. I am paid to come in and do what I do. And I don't feel it's ethical for me to disregard the vulnerability of their high-profile position mm-hmm. and make myself known as a contributor because of the title acting coach. Mm-hmm. It implies things that are right uh, I- cannot be accurately um, conveyed. Right. I think that makes a that lot makes a of lot sense. of sense now. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Because other people would want credit. They would want, well, put my name on the, you know, I want to mm-hmm. be on the screen. And well, I know. See, you think of Hollywood and everybody wants credit. So. They want their name on it, they, you know, but that makes sense. Yes, right. but if yeah. you're the actor, mm-hmm. um, you won't go near me if I betray you. Like Right. Right. Of course. Right. 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 Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So now you're here. and you're, um You're on what you're calling a sabbatical. I want to know what that means. Uh, well, um, <laughs> and why Coeur d'Alene? Well, I'm building a house in Sandpoint. Oh, nice. Oh, cool. So, um, and he should meet Michael. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
we should, we got a friend you should meet. Yeah, he wor- he lives in Sandpoint and he's a musician and he's yeah. very talented. Well, there's a buzz yeah. in Hollywood about Sam. Oh, well, there you go. I mean, oh. That's why I checked it out. Oh, oh good. Gotcha. There's a few, <laughs> right? A few of us. Um, well, we know that Vigo Mortensen lived there for a little while. Mm. Yeah. Um, I don't know who else. I don't know, but he's the only one. So. Oh, I, oh, I don't know. I just know I saw him once at a, at a wine bar. But anyway. <laughs> anyway, we got sidetracked. Yeah, that's <laughs> Squirrel. Squirrel. Yeah. yeah. So. So, Coeur d'Alene. Sabbatical. 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 Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I was at a point where I could spend the rest of my life doing what I was doing there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just surf and have fun and show up at a theater once a week and be treated like I'm somebody. Right. (laughs) Um, And, but, oh, I want another chapter. And I have an agenda and I don't know if I want to spill the beans in public at the moment. That's weird. That's good. But it certainly has to do with bringing this work outside of the um, uh, the tight uh, inner sanctum that it's been mm-hmm. and grown and matured. I'm sorry. I have a little. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and because this living truthfully part is it is the key to um, uh, being more creative for everybody right uh, to deep interpersonal communicating and to wellness in general mm-hmm. our emotions are the most spontaneous part of us, the most um, accurate reflection of our environment um, as we lend our attention to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so to have a position that is adversarial toward the entire emotional spectrum is causing a kind of crippling uh, for everyone that is preventing them from ease Mm -hmm. and pleasure. Because when you escape into your head and you disregard these physical cues that organically spring from your body, Mm -hmm. it is immediately accompanied with tension Mm-hmm. with holding on, mm-hmm. with rigidity. And so this is causing all kinds of maladies. Uh, and and it's, it's related to this. And you mm-hmm. can take yoga, you can stretch, you can do all kinds of things. I've, I'm in the laboratory. I've seen everyone try everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, even, you know, someone would come up and say, you know, I can't get settled in. I've got this, oh, this stiffness in my back. I can hardly sit down. I say, stand. Mm-hmm. And so they stand and they settle in when they stand. And as soon as they get in touch with their emotional life, oh, they're sitting freely. There's no melody at all. It's all gone. <laughs> right. Yeah. Wow. And after they've settled in and they're allowing all of their emotions 
even the taboo ones, Mm -hmm. um, the negative emotion, which people are not, you know, I don't want anyone to see my lust. I don't, I'm not supposed to have that. Mm -hmm. I don't want anyone to see my anger. I mean, that spiritual people aren't angry. Right. Uh, So I can't show that. And so I start removing these little pieces of myself and only showing what I feel I'm supposed to be like. Mm -hmm. Well, the problem with that is that there's an emotion attached to every thought that we have, each uniquely shaded to fit that thought's precise characteristics. Mm -hmm. And those emotions are what lead us to the source of that feeling, which tells us what it's about so we can face our fears, deal with it, and then we find out how easily the body clears negative emotion mm-hmm. instead of repressing it, and it never clears. In fact, it becomes more intense the right. longer you ignore it. So people get themselves in quite a predicament when they live their lives this way and mm-hmm. I would venture to say that that's most of us mm-hmm. right but the only way out of it might I just say is by feeling your way through mm-hmm. I mean you can understand this conceptually but until you get up there and do the work and and experience yourself experience it yourself um, it's like trying to learn to play the violin without holding one in your hands and experimenting with it. Right. It's that um, uh, impractical to attempt. Mm-hmm. Right. Go ahead. I'm sorry. To- so, no, you're fine. So, so you're taking, or you're giving classes at the Jacqueline Center and what, how many more are you doing and when are you doing them? And right. again, back to sabbatical. Oh, uh, yeah. Because <laughs> okay. I'm like, are you doing them or... I am doing them. Okay. And when are you doing them? I'm doing them on Tuesday evenings from 6.30 to 10.30. Mm-hmm. And if people want to know why it's so long a class, it's because actors have to work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. True. You don't listen to me prattle on like I'm doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and um, it's free to audit. So mm-hmm. anybody can come in, have a seat, mm-hmm. and just... Right. Like a fly on the wall. Check mm-hmm. it out. Yeah. See how you feel about it. See what's going on. Mm-hmm. And it's ongoing. It's an eight-week block. So you commit to eight weeks. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to do more after eight weeks, you re-up. Then re-up. Oh, cool. Well, that's great. So, so, get- so you're doing these workshops, and you told me that at one point that you love acting yourself are you doing any acting no i'm not i did you give it up the last thing i did i got into uh stand-up comedy because it was as free an environment as doing these improvs we play a game in this workshop and it's a game that actors would rather play than do just about anything else. <laughs> right. Sydney Pollock would uh, take over the workshop in my stead. Sydney called it, said it should be illicit. It's so much fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so um, there's an enjoyment to it. It's all about 
improvisation because acting is improvisation. And I want to clear that up for people. Don't be expecting to be cold reading and learning lines. We have to take care of of the living truthfully part first. Mm -hmm. So that's what that's about. And, Mm -hmm. um, And you asked me what? Why aren't you acting? Oh. <laughs> hey, if as soon as I find somebody to take over this room so I can get up there, <laughs> I'm all in. I know. We need more projects, <laughs> right? more things to do, places to perform. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you. Yes. Kelly, if we can come up with some I know. sort of a... We'll I think there's an open mic. I know. Certainly we could do an improv. <sighs> oh, yeah. Oh, I would love that. Improv. I'll I've done there. that in years. Oh, my, God. oh my gosh. That'd be fun. Mm-hmm. I The first time I did improv, I had a great high school teacher. And she, <laughs> we did improv, and it was hilarious. And that, I thought, that was the first time I think, not that I had to come out of my shell. I was already out of my shell. But, <laughs> but that was so much fun. And it was fun to see other people come out of their shell. Mm-hmm. And then they became better actors. They mm-hmm. were more free and not stop worrying about, do I look stupid when I do this? Do I, do right. you know, all that stuff. They get out of your oh head. Just do it. Yeah. It's well, fun. I, I feel just like, do it. I feel like I need to go to the Jack on a Tuesday night and be one of those people you just sitting in the back watching because this sounds really fascinating. Yeah. Yes. Well, this yeah, has been great. I know, and you've been wonderful. I, I feel like we're Kristen lucky to have like, you. She's telling us that we're, we're, we're out, almost out of time. And, I know. And yet, I feel like we just started. We might have to have him back. We might. Hey, maybe what we should do is we should. Audit the class, mm-hmm. and and then, and then have him back. Have him back. Well, especially because he's got something that he's How working to, on that he doesn't want to talk about yet. Maybe he'll be ready to talk about yeah. that we'll at have the back. next one. Yeah. You guys are terrific. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get the info. Yeah. So we'll find um, out. Where do they find? Uh, where do they find out how to sign up for the classes? Yeah. For the workshop. Do they just um, go to the Jack? You can just jack. show up, or you can oh. go to the JacquelineCenter.org's website. Okay. Okay. And you'll find it there. That's on that somewhere. So Jack- if you just show up, the Jack is in Post Falls mm-hmm. on, on 405 North, North Williams William Street. Street. Post Falls. So it's number Tuesdays. 208-457-8950. That's 208-457-8950. Why do you just sound like a commercial? The JacquelineCenter.org. <laughs> That's free. Call us, Darla Dreyer. <laughs> just a little plug. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Thank you so oh, much, Thank David. You so Thank much, you David. This oh, has been a lot of fun. Really fun. So yep. much great information. I feel good. I feel like if I can't, yeah, I can't wait. I want to take the class. I know. I want to just go watch. You're, because we're going to get you up there. Yes, we will. Really you will scary to, to You get will up want there. to. Oh, you won't really? want to be yes. in the back. You won't. <laughs> I know I'm not very shy, but I'm I am a little nervous no, about you this. won't be. You won't be. But it's okay. I It is know. okay. Um I have found over the years that the things that I'm most afraid of are the things that I really need to do. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, that's great. Yep. Anyway, well, all right. Well, I'm Allie. And I'm Callie. And whatever you do today, make sure it's creative. And true. And true. Yeah. I like that.
The Allie and Callie Artcast is a program of the Coeur d'Alene Arts and Culture Alliance and is sponsored by NIA, North Idaho Alliance, a woman-based leadership organization designed to inspire, uplift, and impact your community and lives.